It was a great celebration last night. How many made it last night? It was good, good, good stuff. The live nativity, the tree lighting, the Christmas carols. Um, we just had a wonderful time last night. Uh, I think last night was the 17th annual Christmas parade. And when that, that Christmas parade first started, um, it was so small that they didn't even close down the streets. And, uh, and then it has just grown over the years. And um, for a number of years, Pastor Mark Valadez and I have been announcing the parade right in front of the church. And it's just been delightful to see God grow that thing. And we pulled uh, into town about 3 o'clock. Parade started at 5. We got here about 3. And uh, we see every, all the trees are lined with, or streets are lined with trees. Uh, chairs and people getting ready for the festivities. It was just really, really cool. Hundreds and hundreds of people showed up. It was really, really fun. So thanks to all of our team who worked to pull everything off, tech teams, children's ministry, uh, youth, uh, just everybody behind the scenes working to make it beautiful. I'm always nervous. Yeah. I'm always, when Santa does the countdown, 10, 9, I, I'm always nervous. First of all, we couldn't find Ron. He splits a switch. And uh, so Santa's out there, and I'm like, where is Ron? Ron is, he's missing in action, you know? So uh, it turns out Ron was right where he was supposed to be. Um, so I was, I did, I forgot where, the, I thought it was going to be switched somewhere else. So. so anyway, the countdown happened, and we lit the tree, and um, it was just delightful. So good job, everybody. Uh, it's been such a crazy holiday season, a crazy year so far with everything going on at 102. And a little update with 102, our, 102 is our new worship center just up the street. So it's about one minute walk from here. And uh, we've been praying for a building permit six months into our project there. And on December 1st, we got a Christmas miracle <laughs> and we got our building permit. So that was really, really great. We've been working on it for six months, and so we've done all of the rough electrical, plumbing, mechanical, all that kind of stuff, um, new HVAC system, all kinds of stuff is in, so we called for an inspection. So Tuesday, uh, we'll get all of that inspected, and hopefully we pass muster and they give us the permission to kind of begin to insulate everything and drywall everything and do all, the, all of the finishing touches. So we had originally planned to get it done pretty quick, and then as these things go. They, it's taken longer than expected, and uh, so thank you for your patience. I, I think we'll be in by Easter. <laughs> of course, then we usually have an outdoor Easter service, so I don't know if we'll be in for Easter or not, but uh, well, that's, that's probably the deal. So anyway, it's been super busy, and so we're, we're going to be talking about rest today as we get into Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, it's, it's, it's timely for this season. A lot of us were here late last night and then early this morning getting ready for things. And uh, with Thanksgiving events happening, it's just been a, it's been a, um, it's been, a, it's been very, uh, very, uh, very much a, a busy time of year. I, I got up uh, earlier this week and I got up early to do some work and about nine o'clock in the morning, I told my wife, I said, you know, I think I need a nap. <laughs> 9 a.m. She said, that, okay, go ahead. So I crawled in bed. And in my defense, I had restless dreams that, that night. I, all that night, I had been fighting in my dreams. I, I, I haven't had a fight since like junior high school, but I was fighting <laughs> in my dreams. And I kept waking up and kept saying stuff out loud. And my wife was nervous. You know, she's like, hey, are you okay? You okay? But I was like in a real fist fight in my dreams. <laughs> you guys had dreams like that? Fist fights? No. Okay, whatever. 
I don't know where it came from either. Dreams are odd. But uh, anyway, so I, I had got some pretty restless sleep in the night. And so, so at 9 o'clock, I crawled back in bed for some more rest and um, woke up at 1030. And, of course, my wife's on the phone with my sister. And she said, you're not going to believe what your brother did. <laughs> uh, it's a good time for napping, isn't it? So we're going to be talking, talking about rest today. And the title of the message today is God's Rest is Available to You. God's Rest is available to you. When God talks about rest, it's a twofold rest. And as we study Hebrews chapter 4, we'll kind of learn more about it. But it's a twofold rest. There's a temporal rest here in the earth for those who trust in the Lord. And then there's this eternal rest where we will spend eternity with the Lord in heaven. And so temporal rest means that in the day-to-day rhythm and routine of our lives, we can find peace in the Lord. No matter what's happening, when we are intentional, we can find the rest that God has for us. Temporal rest means peace in the midst of the storm. We've had some storms this year and uh, some difficulties this year. Um, Our good friend JR passed away uh, a couple weeks ago. We just did a service yesterday. Um, A lot of you saw on the prayer chain about a three-year-old little girl um, who drowned on Thanksgiving. And uh, so uh, we've known the parents since they were little guys. And um, so difficult stuff, a lot of people um, just dealing with difficult stuff. And the the reality of of the gospel, of of our relationship with Jesus, is that he offers us rest in the midst of of the storm. Temporal rest means faith instead of fear. It means trust instead of anxiety. It means joy instead of worry. But we have to choose it. We have to decide to overcome our worries with the joy of the Lord. Temporal rest trusts God's love. It trusts God's forgiveness, his provision, his goodness. Temporal rest puts us in this place where we just have confidence in who God is. And so no, no matter what happens, we can just rest in the Lord. So that's the temporal rest that is available to us who trust in the Lord. And then there's eternal rest. And eternal rest means no more pain or sorrow, no more sin or temptation, no more sickness or death, no more darkness. Imagine that. No more darkness because the Son of God will light up the heavens Eternal rest means there will be no longer a curse on anything. At the fall, there was a curse that covered the earth and humanity. And in the new heavens and the new earth, in eternity, there will be no longer a curse on anything. Imagine not a curse on anything, not in your relationships, not in your personal physical bodies, not on the earth that is polluted and dying all around us. Imagine just life, life abundantly throughout the earth, through these new heavens and the new earth. Eternal rest means we will see Jesus face to face, and we will be in his presence forevermore. I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus face to face. I I just cannot wait for that day and for all eternity when we get to see our Savior face to face. Well, as we wrapped up Hebrews chapter 3 last week, we read that because of Israel's unbelief, because they did not believe, they were not able to enter God's rest. God rescued the nation of Israel out of Egypt after hundreds of years of bondage and slavery 
with the intention of leading them into their place of rest, the promised land, the land of Canaan. But because of their unbelief, they were not able to inherit the promise, the promised rest that God had for them. Imagine God working miracles to deliver the people of Israel out of this place of bondage and slavery and, and parting the Red Seas, giving them the access, uh, helping them to escape from their, uh, the Egyptians who were pursuing them and taking them on this journey. And through all of that, just the subtle hardening of heart, rebelliousness and sin developed and they missed their opportunity to enter into God's place of rest. They failed to enter that rest. Why? Because they, again, rebelled. They sinned, and they disobeyed God, and therefore forfeited their blessings of God on earth and in eternity. So when the book of Hebrews talks about rest, it is referring to God's promise to grant his people ultimate rest in heaven, but believers also get a taste, a temporal rest in the here and now. And that's really good news, right? I mean, it's going to be amazing in heaven, but isn't it amazing in the here and now that we can rest in the Lord, that we can experience his peace and his joy, his clarity, that we can get wisdom for our circumstances, for our lives, and we, we can know without a shadow of a doubt as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ that the presence of God has taken up residency in us, that the Holy Spirit lives in us, and all of the blessings that go with it, all of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The, the fruit of the presence of the living God allows us to rest even in the midst of very challenging and difficult life circumstances. So Canaan was the place of temporal rest for Israel. We are meant to have a Canaan type of experience with the Lord before ever going to heaven. Our Canaan experience is the place of faithful rest where God is trusted, God is believed, and where God is followed all the days of our lives and from this place of trust and this place of faith and this place of discipleship we experience a supernatural and it's nothing short of supernatural this rest that we're talking about that is available to us as believers as followers in the lord jesus christ it's nothing short of supernatural i say this all the time everything that god asks us to do requires his supernatural grace and power to accomplish that Everything that God has done in our lives from salvation to filling us to keeping us, all of that is a supernatural work of God in our lives, taking care of us as his sons and daughters. It's from this place of trust and faith and discipleship we experience a supernatural ability to endure and enjoy life here in the earth. And there's plenty to enjoy here in the earth, but man, how much better is our permanent place of rest with the Lord. So for the believer, earth is not our home. It's our temporary place of rest until, until we get to heaven. Heaven is our place of permanent rest. So how can we enjoy God's rest here, like today, and also in eternity? The, the chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 4 helps us to understand how to attain that rest. You guys ready? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For the, this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us 
just as it was announced to them. Their ancestors, people in the wilderness experience, the good news of rest was communicated to them, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Some manuscripts read, they didn't combine what they heard with faith. And that's part of the journey as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to take in the message of the good news, the gospel. We have to read the Bible from start to finish, take it in, and then add faith to it, making the decision, choosing by God's grace to believe what we're reading about and believe what God wants to accomplish in our lives. And so it's by faith that we move forward as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to come to Jesus through faith, but then we walk with him by faith for the rest of our lives. And things don't ever change. We always walk by faith and not by sight. God's rest is available. Number one, God's rest is available to you by faith. This is how we experience it, simply by faith. Verse 3 says, for only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. So we keep seeing Psalm 95 quoted in these couple chapters that we've been studying, three and four. It's a warning to the people of Israel and also a warning to all believers everywhere that if we're not careful, entering into this place of rest can be missed if we don't understand the process of entering into that. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the confidence. What is faith? It's the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It's like last night when we're getting ready to light the tree, I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> the thing will light up. I had faith that it would eventually light up. But in the more serious things of life, we have these hopes and longings and dreams. And Ron talked about writing the names of people in 102 on the walls, believing we've got this hope that these people will get touched by the Lord, that they'll come to faith in Jesus Christ, that they'll give them themselves to the Lord. And so we have these hopes. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Even if it takes years, it will happen as we put our trust in the Lord. It gives us faith. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith, walking by faith and not by sight. Hebrews eleven six says it's impossible to please God without faith. We can please God by his grace as we put our faith in him. As we put our faith in him for salvation, for help in the day-to-day, that we're, uh, we're trusting that we're filled with his presence and with his power to overcome sin, sickness, all of the things that uh, come before us in this life. It's impossible to please God without faith. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And so we're saved by grace through the faith that we put into that grace uh, gift that the Lord has given to us. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the unbeliever, the unbeliever will never enter into this rest because we enter into it first and primarily through this thing called faith. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It's the assurance of things we cannot see at all. 
By faith, we worship an invisible God. By faith, we show up on Sunday morning to worship an invisible God. By faith, we gather and we pray for one another, believing that God is at work in the world. By faith, we move forward as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4.3 continues, even though this uh, this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready, be, uh, even though, so verse 4, we know it is ready because of the place in the scripture where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And so God invites humanity into this place of rest. So after the creation account, God rested from all of his work. He, God, invites us into that place of perfect rest with him. Verse 8, but in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. Speaking of the faithless. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So there's faithlessness and disobedience. Number one, God's rest is available to you by faith. Number two, God's rest is available to you through obedience. So we're not saved by our obedience. We're saved by grace, through faith, in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we believe that he died for our sins, we enter into this faith relationship with the Lord, this discipleship process where we begin to follow him all the days of our lives. And so that's the process. We get saved and baptized. We get filled with the Holy Spirit. We get the, the blessing of walking with God and knowing that our sins are forgiven and that he, he has adopted us into his family. So that's, that's how we are saved. But this place of rest is available as we, as, as we choose to, as disciples of the living God, be obedient to him. So we're, again, we're not saved by our obedience, but it is an indication. It's an indication of what's going on. Our obedience is an indication of our commitment, our faith, and our heart toward God. Do we really follow him? Do we really follow him? It, it will be proven by our obedience. That question will be answered by our obedience or by our disobedience. Do we really follow him as evidenced by our obedience to him? Do we really believe him? That question will be answered by the evidence of our lives. Do we obey him uh, out of our belief in him, do we really believe him or are we just offering lip service? What do we think about this Jesus? Do we really love him? It's easy to say, I love you, Jesus. But Jesus had some things to say about what those words actually mean. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So he's, Jesus is saying, listen, you, you will be obedient to me if you love me. If you genuinely love me, you will be obedient. John 14, 21 says this. Jesus said, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. So those who accept and then choose to obey his commandments, those are the ones who love him. And because they love me, Jesus said, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. In John 14, and 23, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. He just keeps driving this home. All who love me will do what I say. There's 
obedience naturally connected to our love relationship with the living God. We can't be disobedient to God and still declare that we love him. Because if we truly love him, we will do what he's asked us to do. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them, is the promise in John 14, 22 and 23. Verse 24 says, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. <laughs> he just continues to drive it home. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. So there's a direct connection, a direct correlation, obedience and love, love and obedience. They go hand and uh, hand in hand. And, and the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and he told his, his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And often we'll stop the quote there. We won't go on to verse 20 where it says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so he's calling us to teach people to be obedient, and he's promising his presence, his ever-present presence and help in our time of need when we're trying to be obedient to his commandments. And all of the commandments, uh, kind of the law and the prophets, uh, they all boil down to the word love. God has called us to love him, and he's called us to love one another. Everything in the Old and the New Testament calls us to love. And so that's part of the obedience that God has called us into, that we might love him wholeheartedly and that we might love others wholeheartedly. So it's a challenge that God promises to be with us, giving us the ability and the grace to do the things that he's asked us to do. So rest is the result of faith, number one. Rest is the result of obedience. Let's take a look at what verse 7 says. Verse 7, Hebrews 4 says, so God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. Now is the day to enter into his rest. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted in Psalm 95. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Number three, God's rest is available to the tender-hearted. Had a young guy uh, uh, call me up this week and said, hey, I'm thinking about the ministry. I'm thinking about going into full-time vocational ministry. He said, what can I do to get prepared, to begin to get prepared for full-time vocational ministry? And so we talked about a lot of different things. And, but I said, you know, probably the most important thing that will sustain you, uh, among other things, but one of the most important things is, is that you keep your heart tender. I said, it's a rough business, the ministry. It's a people business. And if you don't work to keep your heart tender, your heart will subtly kind of harden up. And I, I told him, I said, you won't be able to serve God or others if your heart is not tender. So you'll have to constantly be forgiving people, loving people, asking for uh, the grace to extend to people. I said, I, I, I've met, I know way too many people, most of the guys and gals in my Bible college and um, a lot of them in my seminary uh, training, most of all of them have washed out of ministry. Uh, over and over again, I, I, 
I'm watching people wash out of ministry. It's a tough job, I told this young guy. And I said, so I said, this is what I always tell people who are interested in ministry. If you can do anything else, go do that, right? <laughs> like anything else, if you, can do, if, if you can do anything else and be happy, do that. But if you can't do anything else and you still feel called to the ministry, then pursue the ministry and then God will give you the grace to do it. But you've got to keep your heart tender before the Lord so that you can minister effectively for the long term so that you can do it for the rest of your life. God's rest is available to the tender hearted. Verse 8 says, now if Joshua, Yeshua, had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. Verse 8 points to uh, points people back to Jesus. Joshua took the people of Israel into the promised land to enjoy temporal rest. But this verse, I believe, is pointing us to Jesus, who's made a way for us to enjoy eternal rest in the Lord. And so this writer is challenging these believers who are beginning to waffle in their faith about the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, they're Jewish people who have decided to believe that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. And now they're waffling in their commitment to Christ, waffling in their faith in Jesus. And so he's challenging them. He said, listen, if Joshua could have done what was needed, then Jesus wouldn't be needed or necessary. But we know that indeed Jesus was necessary for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So verse 8 points the people back to Jesus and that's really what a spiritual leader's job, a Christian leader's job, is to continue to point people back to Jesus. To re, re, we need to be reminded constantly that Jesus, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. We need to be reminded that there's rest in the living Christ, that we can find peace in the living God, that he is walking with us and that he sustains us so that we can endure and enjoy life. Jesus, he has secured an eternal place of rest. And that's available to each of us when we put our faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 9 says, so now there is a special rest. And this is talking about a Sabbath rest, still waiting for the people of God. This Sabbath rest requires faith. It requires obedience and it requires a tender heart to experience. And we need to realize that Sabbath rest is actually an act of worship. We're deciding, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to take the day, and I'm just going to give it to the Lord as my act of worship. And so I could be busy doing a hundred other things, fixing the house, working extra hours at the job, running errands. I could be doing all of these different things, but I'm going to make sure that I have this Sabbath rest. God commanded us to honor the Sabbath day of rest, recognizing that we needed downtime in our lives, margin in our lives, but we also needed that special day each week to reconnect with the Lord. And, and as believers, we do that daily. We connect with the Lord on a regular basis as we walk with Jesus and as he walks with us. As we abide in him and as he abides in us, we bear much fruit. So, Sabbath rest is an act of worship, and we're called into this place of rest. How many, how many times are we just running crazy like 
burning the candle at both ends. And God has, he's like calling to us, rest, stop, settle down. You can trust me. You can rest in me and you don't have to kill yourself uh, going crazy 24-7. I think it's a trick of the enemy keeping everybody so busy and chaotic that we, we miss out on God's very best for us. We're busy doing a thousand things and even seemingly good things or even seemingly spiritual things, but we're not taking that time of Sabbath rest where we're connected to Jesus, being filled by the Holy Spirit, being empowered to do what he's calling us to do so that we can move forward with a, a tank that is full and not depleted. God's wanting us to rest. He's wanting us to experience that temporal rest in this life so that we can move from this place into the eternal rest that he has for us. And he wants to take as many people with us. He wants us to take as many people with us as possible. That's why he's given us that great commission. Verse 10 says, For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey, if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. So another uh, opportunity to listen to the Holy Spirit through the inspired words of God. We have to be careful that we're living as obedient sons and daughters of the living God. It goes hand in hand with our commitment to love him and follow him. For the word of God, verse 12 says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. <laughs> it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. This is why we encourage the church and we encourage one another to open up the Bible every day, even if it's just for a little bit, making a commitment to read a chapter or two or three in the day. Why? Because the Word of God exposes the condition of our heart. And if we're not careful, our hearts will subtly grow hard, calloused. And in that place, we're no good to God or to other people. It's hard to serve God or others with a calloused heart. And so as we open up the scripture, it's, it begins to point out to us uh, what needs to be fixed. Maybe you read a great faith story um, in, in the Bible. Pick many. We're going to be going through a bunch of them in Hebrews chapter 11. But you, you read a faith story and you realize, man, my faith is nothing like Noah's faith. I mean, he spent all those years building that boat. My faith is nothing like Moses' faith. I, I don't have any faith like John the Baptist. I, I don't have any faith like Mary. I, I just don't have. And you can look at those stories and be built up in your most holy faith and say, I want to be more faithful like Mary, like John, like Moses, like Noah. I want to be more faithful. And then you are challenged in the right direction. So the word of God exposes the condition of our hearts and points out where we're being faithless disobedient and hard-hearted. Verse 13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So God knows everything anyway, so why don't we just come clean and say, God, I'm struggling to be faithful in this area, to have faith for this area. God, I'm struggling to be obedient in this area. God, my heart's hardening up in this area of my life. God, I need you to help me in every area so that I can be 
faithful and obedient and tenderhearted. And as you invite the Lord into your struggle, into your battle, he is there to help. And we see that in verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Hold firmly by the the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, our high priest is for us. It says that in the scriptures that he's forever making intercession for us at the right hand of the Father. It says in verse 15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. So we've got this challenge to call upon the living God um, to make sure we're thinking properly about this Jesus, that we're choosing to believe, this is the outline from last week, that we're choosing to believe the truth about Jesus and that we're keeping our courage and remaining confident in Jesus. All of these things require the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Verse 15, again, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. That's really good news. He experienced all of the temptations the difficulties in life, yet he did not sin. He'll give us the grace to sin less and less as we call upon him, as we invite him into our circumstance. He's our great high priest. So let us come boldly, verse 16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So maybe you're here this season and really struggling to rest, to be at peace. Maybe you're here and you're just, you're not able to exhale. There's just so much pent up worry and frustration, whatever it may be, so much that you're holding on to. God wants you to confess that to him release that to him be filled with his presence so that you can experience this temporal rest and ultimately this eternal rest in christ it's available let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious god there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most i'm going to invite the worship team up i'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to pray together and I'm just going to lead us in a couple of prayers as we stand up. And um, so let's just, as we stand, let's close our eyes. And Lord, we just want to say thank you for this rest that is available. It's temporal for the here and now, and it's eternal for all of time and eternity, Lord. So we thank you for that, Lord. I pray for my friends who are listening, gathered who have heard this message, Lord, and I I pray that each of us would be able to rest, especially in this holiday season. If we can rest, find a place, this this place of rest during the holiday season, we can do it the rest of the year. So Lord, help us to find that place of rest where we're filled with faith, obedience, and a tender heart, Lord. Lord, maybe there, there are people here who've never entered into that rest at all. There are people here who don't know you, Jesus, the one who makes that rest possible. Maybe there are people here who don't have a relationship with you at all. And I pray for those people. We've all been there, Lord. And I I pray that our friends who don't know you would come to faith in you. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, or if you're listening to this message and you don't know Jesus, if you would like to get to know Jesus, if you'd like to receive the salvation 
uh, gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, you simply say, God, I need you. I need you to forgive me. I'm, you say, I'm putting my faith in you. God, I'm choosing to be obedient to you. I'm choosing to keep a tender heart before you, Lord. So we come into my life and we forgive my sins. Will you call me your son? Will you call me your daughter? Will you adopt me into your family? And as you declare before the Lord your desire to follow Jesus, to make him your king and Lord, he will come into your life and he will lead you all the days of your life. He loves you. Thank you, Lord. Part of a, a decision to follow Jesus is baptism. It's a public declaration of one's faith to follow Jesus. Maybe you're Maybe if you've been a Christian for a long time and part of your disobedience is that you haven't been baptized yet, we'll baptize you any Sunday that you would like to get baptized. We can do it today. <laughs> we'll fill up the trough and baptize you today. But uh, if you've never been baptized, we encourage you to get baptized. If you're a brand new believer, like today you, got, you became a believer and got saved, the Bible calls it. If you became born again and you would like to get baptized, you're basically declaring, I am a follower of Jesus and I would like to get baptized so that um, I'm... I solidify and declare my decision, then we will baptize you and look forward to that. So if you'd like to get baptized, talk to a leader here, fill out a communication card, and we will get you baptized. Amen? All right, let's worship some more. Amen? Good. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. Of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no
so other than we are. You, are. you are just greater than we can fathom. Thank you for thank you for the rest that can be found when we lay down our crowns, Lord. And we give it all to you, Jesus. Just thank you, God, for a great word today. Thank you for this gathering of, of, of your people. And I just pray that your word would uh, just marinate in us as we leave. And uh, we just walk away changed, just ever being sanctified, made into the people that you desire, into your bride, Lord. 